Our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I like to have precision-engineered tools for my family jewels. Uh, I am a proud Manscaped user myself. The premium lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, both excellent features, and it's made of advanced skin-safe technology. There's a lot of TMs in there, by the way, a lot of TMs. Don't go throw it around those terms uh, on your own because they belong to Manscaped. Uh, and you can get yourself a pretty sweet deal right now with Manscaped. You can get 20% off and free shipping if you go to manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC20. That's right, 20% off. That's a savings. Uh, you could do more percent off of your grooming if you wanted to. It's just 20% off savings and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code THEATHLETIC20. From the moose to the caboose, always use the right tools for the job. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Chicago Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney of The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, and we've got uh, some some Cubs stuff to get into today. Do we not, gentlemen? Yeah, that was uh, one of those uh, weird weekends where it was, uh, you know, two good, two good games kind of bookended uh, a bunch of garbage. <laughs> over the weekend uh and, and brought up a lot of concerns for this team but also i feel like kind of showed them a path to winning as well at you know in this weird season where the playoffs are all but guaranteed for this team it's it's kind of about how how do you have a path to get through october and i think the cubs may have one yeah baby maddox to the rescue after <laughs> three really bad games where <clears throat> And it wasn't just those games. Just it, it does feel like this team is sinking, and uh, they could be collapsing. But yeah, with two great starting pitchers and that great start they had, uh, I thought it was really surprising that David Ross goes from talking about if they're passing out a trophy, I want it to, hey, I'll just take a participation trophy, and we'll see what happens in October. I think the messaging has changed a little bit around the Cubs. And I think they can definitely, they're seeing what we're seeing. They're not talking about it on their own podcast, but they know how important starting pitching is and they know how much they're not getting it right now. Yeah. And that way, this five game weekend series against the Cardinals was, uh, it, it almost perfectly encapsulated the concerns the state of things, the timing of things, just all in one series, because you had it, like Sahadev said, bookended by the two very effective starters for the Cubs right now um, and and making it work. But in between, you had these three games where it was just a mess of all of the, you had the offensive struggles, you had the starting pitching just completely uh, both uh struggling mightily the guys that we know but then also you're trying to sort of fill in with a, you know a backfill starter uh that was that didn't work out you've got of course the 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 ongoing and pervasive bullpen questions you've got a small bit of of questioning about some of david ross's 
uh, in-game maneuvering starting to percolate. We hadn't really had that yet. And, and there have been a few moments now in this series. And, you know, we're left at the end of it wondering, um, I don't know, maybe we set aside the bullpen and the offensive stuff for a moment and just touch on the rotation again because um, – I think you feel very good when you Darvish starts. It's not going to be like this every time he takes the ball, like with all appropriate love to Darvish and with a remembrance that Jake Arrieta showed that, no, you actually can be dominant in every single start for a half season. Uh, Odds are he's probably going to lose one or two. Um, And with Kyle Hendricks, we already know that when the last couple of years, when he goes on the road, the, that fine command hasn't quite been the same as it is at Wrigley. So even with those two guys, it's not like you can act as though, well, that's two guaranteed wins. And then you just got to figure it out with the other three. Um, It's probably going to have some up and down, even among your best guys. And so when the rest of your rotation is uh, injuries, youth and John Lester, it's like, Ooh, that does leave you feeling a little unnerved. Yeah. I mean, it, I'd, maybe this weekend was the extreme scenario of of this is how great Darvish and Hendricks can be, and this is how bad those other you know the other three spots can be. Uh, I would like to think that Lester isn't completely done. Uh, I know you know I, I Patrick worked that game, but I I did end up watching the post game Zoom the next morning, and that was I mean I, I thought Patrick captured it well, and anybody who probably wrote about it saw it as well. But that's about as down as you'll see Lester after a start. He's always, you know, he's he's been had these types of starts before. He's had these types of stretches before, but he felt that felt kind of like he was uh, searching and, and didn't have a great answer. I But I, I will say that maybe he's been there before. I, he has been down and just been like, I got to find I don't have the answer right now. Maybe it was, uh, you know, I can't pinpoint exactly what it was, but go back and look. There's there's been some stretches in the past two, three years where it seemed like he was cooked, uh, he came back and kind of fixed things. I think the the biggest concern is how does he have the time to get there, and can he get one of those good starts in before the playoffs? Uh, this I feel like we, we had the same type of conversation uh, either last year or the year before, uh, and, and he did get locked in. Uh, obviously, last year it didn't matter. I think it was 18 where uh, – where he was. It was because then he started the wild card. Yeah, he needed. I think we all were saying like just one good start before the playoffs. I think he got that decent start, and then that play that wild card game. If you remember, like that's prototypical John Lester, where it's like he's not getting through the first inning. What is going on? This guy's about to get rocked. He ends up giving up one run and goes six, I believe that that outing. And and it's just that's the guy that you kind of need, right? The guy that's like, ooh, this doesn't look good. And then something happens where he figures it out. Uh, you know, he makes an adjustment and he goes six innings. I think that's still there right now. It doesn't feel like it. And I know he didn't sound like a guy that was on the precipice of figuring it out, but. It's got to be in there somewhere, and I, I also think there's there's a path to using these guys in creative ways during the playoffs, uh, particularly guys like Mills and Alzali and whoever else may be coming up, or a guy like Dwayne Underwood, who who David Ross keeps seeming to mention whenever talking about the bullpen. I think he sees him as someone like maybe I can get two innings out of him, in uh, you know during a playoff game or something like that. Uh, there's there's got to be a creative way to get through this. Because that's, you know, pitching is used differently now. And as much as the Cubs have relied upon six, seven inning starters, I think it's time for, I mean, the pitching is showing them it's time for them to adjust. 
Yeah, I hadn't heard or seen Lester that dejected or defeated. And this is someone who, after losing playoff games, can kind of look on the bright side. I'd asked that question leading it kind of like you've, you know, you've been through these ruts before you've worked your way out of it. You know, what, where do you draw that confidence from now? And he's like, I don't know, you know, like it's a shortened season. I have no idea where that confidence comes from. And it's really hard to kind of read body language or read too much into, you know, staring at your laptop screen and the Wrigley press box while he's sitting downstairs in the Wrigley interview room. It's a really disorienting, experience but I was surprised at just how and there was even a follow-up or two after that uh, and he just really didn't have much in the way of answers or even putting on uh, a show in terms of uh, you know hey if this works right or we'll go back to the drawing board there was kind of none of that and I thought there was a lot of honesty from Ross both pre and post game kind of seeping in there was a lot more kind of negativity of just kind of acknowledging some of the obvious going on here. And I think uh, why it doesn't feel like overreacting to a bad game or a bad series is because of what Brett outlined a couple minutes ago, like this lack of homegrown pitching. We've been hammering it for years and they're facing a team in the Cardinals that looks at, you know, all of these double headers and thinks they have a way to figure it out because they have so many, young pitchers and you know John Lester and I think I've wrote this before and he's proven us wrong before but eventually he's just not going to figure it out that he's gonna he's gonna keep going to the well and there's just gonna be nothing there and it's sad to think because he's been such a great pitcher and a really good ambassador and you know from a media perspective outstanding to deal with but you know the Cubs kind of knew when they signed that deal when you know Sahadev and I saw them doing shots at the bar in the San Diego uh, hotel lobby in what was that like December 2014 they knew eventually there'd come a point where he would just kind of lose it and you know it only took until September 2020 and a pandemic and that's amazing in and of itself but as you're looking forward to the these next three weeks plus uh, it's really weird to have no idea you know where John Lester is going to slide into that. Yeah, and a lot of contributing factor to what we don't know is it's not just his performance. Can he do again what he's done many times and, and figure something out and get a little bit, um, just squeeze out a little bit more? I mean, we're talking about, what, four starts the rest of the way? But the big unknown that pairs with that is um, the Cubs have two starting slash starting adjacent pitchers who uh, are injured are just starting to throw again this week. Uh, Tyler Chatwood with a um, flexor issue and uh, Jose Quintana with a uh, lat inflammation issue. We have no idea what the return timetable could be for either one of them. I, I don't think anybody's expecting it to be plausible that they could return within a week or something like that. But by the end of the year, sure, possible. And I think that it probably goes a bit to what Sahadev was talking about in relation to the playoffs. But I mean, I throw it out for the final two weeks of the season that we could reach a point where because of Lester's struggles, because maybe Alzali hasn't really firmly established himself, maybe because you want to get multiple innings out of an Underwood, maybe because 
Quintana is like, ah, you know, I can go three, but then I just wears down, which is what he showed us the other two times. You know, we might find in that final couple weeks, it's just a Hendricks gets a start, Darvish gets a start, and the rest is kind of a mishmash of, yeah, this is a starter, but we know he's only going to do three innings, and then we got to have a piggyback guy ready. And, um, and in a weird way, maybe that's not a bad approach with this particular group in advance of the postseason when that first series might be three games. And it's like, I don't think you're going to have three starting pitchers at that point where you're like, these are the three guys we want to get these games. You're going to have Hendricks and Darvish, God willing, they're healthy. And then you're going to have that third game where you're like, uh, let's get a couple guys ready to cover that one. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a version of the, the rotation falling apart after Hendricks and Darvish not being the worst outcome right now in early September, because maybe it helps you figure out a better way to manage these arms. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a real test of uh, you, you talked about Ross uh, and maybe some questionable decisions. I think this is going to be a test for him, you know, trying to, he trying to identify who he can go to for multiple innings. Uh, and you mentioned Quintana and Chatwood throw them in the mix. I mean, it's going to have to be like, get creative and think about it. How can, can I use Chatwood for three innings, Quintana for three innings, and then normal bullpen type stuff. Is that one outing? Is it, you know, a bullpen outing for the next start where it's Colin Ray for two and Dwayne Underwood for two, whatever it is, you know, he's going to have to identify that the slots in the lineup where those guys make sense, how to kind of what. Uh, you know what levers to pull it, it, when uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he's able to pull that off um, someone someone tweeted at me basically saying like you know it, it, how can you win in the playoffs without you know at least three good starters and it makes it really hard and my answer to that is this isn't ideal this isn't how you draw it up this isn't what you you know envision but it's also possible like weird things can happen. I, I don't think it's likely that the Cubs ride Hendricks and Darvish to a World Series victory, but I can see how that happens. I can see, you know, obviously what needs to happen there is those two guys are just red hot in October and your offense either is also hot or gets enough key hits in the right moments. Uh fans listening right now are probably laughing when they hear that part of it because I know how how used to Cubs fans are this offense just frustrating and and I listen I'm I'm a reporter and it frustrates me because I don't know what to expect day to day with this group and it, and it's hard when you don't know what to expect and when you don't know what you know what like have any semblance of who's going to show up and what type of at bat they're going to take it's it's really hard to you know watch it day to day and say like I have a good feel for this team and it's been like that for about three years now where just have no feel for this offense so you know outside of knowing that anything it can go either way they could have a nice day where they score 10 runs and hit a bunch of homers or they strike out 15 times and don't put many balls in play so it's kind of that I'm not saying like the Cubs are in a great spot I'm saying that there is a path to success it's going to take a lot of things going right uh, but it doesn't this weekend left me wondering like exactly how, you know, this could get bad, but there's a way to stop the bleeding, I guess. So let's let's just see where it is. This could get really, really bad. And then I read 
you know, a story in the New York Post about how you know the Yankees now are in danger of missing the playoffs. And I think that uh, once again, sometimes when you watch the same team over and over again, you just see the flaws and you see the internal frustrations. And that sometimes it's hard to lose sight of how just about every team, except for the Dodgers, is going to be going through a lot of these type of issues. And I kind of thought it was interesting that Javi Baez, of all people, who normally doesn't kind of make excuses, uh, pointing out how the lack of in-game video has really been uh, a point of contention for him, uh, saying, you know, the Astros cheated, we didn't. And I'm curious what you guys think. I've been going kind of back and forth of this and that Javi is you know, a real student of the game. He does has clearly over the course of his career made adjustments, but he's also a really kind of instinctual, emotional player on the field. And I'm wondering whether this is a valid explanation or, um, you know, the Cubs, like we're saying, have had these issues when they've had the video and we've already been down this road of we just need extra batting practice and we need more team stretches and then more urgency and energy and it'll come together and I'm curious what you guys think of uh video gate where the Cubs are here in September 2020 (laughs) well I definitely think that the one a big risk that you run in letting yourself go too far and being like oh man well, we know that Javi is a guy who can look lost for two plate appearances and then he comes up later in the game and he does something great. It was all the video adjusting that he was doing. And now that's gone. That explains everything. Because even if you accepted that as as true, whew, it doesn't leave you in a good place for the rest of this year or what's going to happen next year. Uh, like, I, I don't know if that's, I mean, part of that's just the fan in me that loves Javi and what he does, not wanting to accept that as an explanation because it, it leaves me concerned. But, um, you know, I'll be honest that I suspect I'm speaking for more than just myself on this because when, um, you know, Sadiq put that out last night and others were talking about Javi's comments, I think a lot of us, again, me included, did not realize that although there were significant changes to the accessibility of video this year, owing both to the pandemic and the Astros sign stealing scandal, I don't think a lot of us realized that not only was it restricted access to the in-game feed for replay purposes, which I think we did all know that I did not realize that there was no access to previous at bats in any vehicle during the game, like a tablet that they could access for individual things or a uh, consolidated video area that players could access that had been, you know, that was appropriately monitored or whatever by MLB. I I think we just assumed that that, that they've been doing it for years. Of course, they weren't going to just take that away without like any discussion of this whatsoever. Um, And so I've been a little gobsmacked by this in the last, you know, like 24 hours since this came out, thinking about, what a massive change that was for a lot of players that probably we haven't heard a lot about this because they probably haven't wanted to talk about it much for the very reason that in the transition from Patrick to me that I'm mentioning, like I, I assume a lot of players who are struggling because of this, or they they believe it's because of this aren't going to want to be out there saying, Oh man, my game is totally effed if I can't have in-game video to make adjustments because that ain't coming back this year and who knows what next year looks like. So uh, yeah, that's kind of where I landed on that is the whole thing just struck me as very concerning. 
So, uh, I, I, I mean, obviously, Patrick and I are on Zooms all the time with these guys. So we've, there, there have been questions about this over the past couple of weeks. And, it, it, you know, most of them have kind of just been like, yeah, it stinks, but, you know, we're, we have to make the adjustment, blah, 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 blah. This was the first real, like, yeah, this sucks and it's complete crap and it's hurting our team, right? That was the first time someone came out and said that with the Cubs. J.D. Martinez, now, I think early on in the season – was very vocal about this because it's a big thing for him and he's preached it. Uh, I think a lot of what his changes uh, where he contributes to making adjustments in game too, right? Obviously we've read a lot about his, the swing changes and the, you know, launch angle stuff that he was kind of in the middle of uh, the launch. Can angle. I drop in a, a meta comment real quick sure. on that? And what I, cause, cause someone pointed that out to me too. When I, so I responded to you on Twitter. I was like, basically saying what I just said in the podcast that I was like, Oh, I don't think a lot of us realized it was a total absence of access to video. And someone mentioned JD Martinez and that triggered in my mind. I'm like, Oh yeah, I vaguely remember him saying something very early in the season, but you know what happened? And I guarantee I'm not alone in this. It washed right over me because of the Red Sox connection to video replay Uh, issues in their own. Like it hit me as a, Oh, well they've just changed what they're allowed to do because it, 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 the changes are idiosyncratic to Red Sox hitters being frustrated about it because they were really doing some shady shit going into the replay room and watching at bats and doing this. And of course you can't do that. You can't go into the replay room and watch bats this year. We all know that. So like I saw those headlines and it just didn't register to me at all that he was talking about all video totally gone. Yeah. So I, I mean, there's got and there was talk even back then that they were going to try and get be able to push video to their iPads of the current game, by but distort the signs, right? Blur out the signs. Seems was, easy enough. There was talk of that. I don't like, and that seemed like it was something like I, don't, I can't even remember who said it and if this was like some off the record conversation I had, you know, on background that I had with someone busted. But uh, I mean, when I say off the record, I mean, I I can't identify who said it, but I I'm pretty sure it, they, they made it seem like this was something that was very possible and was being worked on and was, you know, maybe not likely, but seemed like they, they felt like this was an option. And I wonder where that is. Javi basically ended his, uh, if you want to call it a rant, his mini rant uh, about like, I'm at the forefront essentially is what he said of, of pushing for this to happen. Like we need it back and I'm, I'm going to push for it to be back. We we all want it back. I, I, you know, I, I can see how it's excuse making if that's what you want to call it. I, I think it's, a, you know, people say, well, how come this guy's doing well? Well, not everyone works in the same way, you know, and how come Ted Williams hit 400 without video? It's like, uh, I mean, you know, just because they didn't have technological advances back then doesn't mean, you know, we everyone should, you know, suffer by not having them now. You know, I, I think that's a poor everybody works differently everybody learns differently Javi uh, has made a lot of adjustments throughout his career and was a very frustrating player early on and and I think he's a, been a different player the past two years and this year he looks more like that guy that just you know can't can't make adjustments so I, I do wonder if it's you know is it the lack of fans is it the lack of video is it all of the above is it a combination of multiple things that we don't even really understand is it just a month and a half long slump there's so many different things we could ponder here but I you know if he says it's a factor I, I'm gonna take him 
I'm going to take it at face value and, and trust that this is something that's impacting him and p- possibly impacting others on the team. Uh, I also won't say it's it's the only reason they're struggling on offense and and hopefully hopefully it just gets fixed it's soon enough and we can see if these guys can make in-game adjustments with the video or not and uh we don't have to it, i it seems like something that could be fixed i feel like it couldn't be that hard to do this uh maybe there are some little logistical hoops they have to jump through and make sure that people aren't cheating uh and <laughs> I liked how Javi's like, send the police, send the police to watch us, essentially, is what he said. I was like, okay, yeah, just send them all in, have security lined up, make sure that they're not stealing signs. I love it. I think this is going to be a a weekend that we look back on as a turning point for the Cubs, you know, for better or worse. And I think the Cubs came into this year with Ross at the forefront, pushing this idea of like, this is what we make of it. We can't be complaining. We can't be whining. Theo Epstein said it repeatedly. We can't compare things to the way they used to be. And now we have, you know, Ross saying, who cares about the division? Rizzo says the exact same thing. John Lester, totally out of answers. Javi complaining about video and, you know, I just pulled up on my screen here, Chris Bryant saying something in Cleveland when we were all comparing the 2020 Cubs to 2016, and he was asked about this video stuff, and Chris said, you know, maybe do less. I think sometimes when we get caught up in normal season where it's 162 games, you kind of get so obsessed with your routine that you might be doing too much when you have all the access, anything at your fingertips. It's very easy to kind of go overboard. I think that's been kind of good for us this year. We haven't been able to do what we normally do. So they're totally just talking themselves into circles here. And this weekend to me felt kind of a departure from this we're the Cubs. We have it figured out. We're just going to go play. Like there's just kind of a lot of the tone shifted this weekend and maybe it's nothing. Maybe it means something, but I think anything they kind of say has to be checked to, you know, where they were when they were playing well. And the video wasn't a big deal when they were uh, on their way to a 13 and three start. Yeah. Maybe that's the other reason we haven't heard about it uh, as on the outside. No, I mean, I think you're right that for as much as these Cubs, this group, particularly under Joe Madden, where you had this idea that the tone was going to reflect, it was going to almost generate the outcome. The tone generates the outcome. But eventually, what's happening to your team and what you are doing and how you're performing is going to impact the tone. And we've we've seen these little bits, and we certainly saw it in the wind down of the Joe Madden era, that eventually you do start to recognize some realities that like as chill as you want to be and as much as you feel like true talent's going to shine through and you believe in the true talent of yourself and those around you. I mean, eventually it's just going to turn on you where you, you can no longer just sort of force the idea that, um, you know, the results are going to come and we're very talented. We believe in, in this and we're you know going to win the division and whatever you would want to say, I think it's pretty easy to understand why in a sh- super short pandemic season, at the tail end of, for this group, kind of what's looked like a a big arcing downswing. 
uh, I think it's easy to to see why it could finally get to that point where you would have guys being like, I don't know, you know, eh, whatever. Maybe we'll we'll sneak into the playoffs. I, I I'm glad you brought up that the 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 change the shift in that tone about how it being like ah uh, you know actually with we win the division don't win the division whatever you know finishing second it's basically the same thing that might be true I mean there are reasons especially they do a playoff bubble like it's kind of true that unless you're playing the Dodgers in the first round it sort of doesn't matter but when do teams talk like that when do athletes talk like that when do managers talk like that they just sort of don't and um, again. I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing. It's just it is a very different, noticeable shift in tone where it felt like this weekend the circumstances all kind of descended into a situation where it's like, okay, we can't keep ignoring the, the that we probably aren't as good as we have placed onto ourselves or the fans have wish-casted upon us. And, um, you know, maybe it's a situation where well, let's just get through this. <clears throat> it's not going to be like any season before. Maybe we'll get in the postseason, see what happens, and that's just the reality of it. And and whether that then impacts performance, you know, whether the tone then creates a feedback loop to impact performance, I don't know. I think a lot of times we writers end up telling ourselves stories about what what led to what as opposed to just observing. But I do agree that this weekend um, it did seem striking in terms of just uh, a, such a rapid tone shift, it seemed like. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, I don't know. Even while I was watching and before Ross had said those things, I I felt a significant shift. I felt it, it for me specifically on Saturday when they bo- couldn't come up with the ba- more runs and the bases loaded, no outs in the game one of the double double header. That shifted the entire weekend. It felt like nothing went right after that moment. Uh, they, if I'm recalling correctly, was it another Hap leadoff homer that they got in the first? And then the second inning, they loaded the bases with no outs and they couldn't do a single thing, right? And, and you know, that, you know, we can talk about the issues with men on and bases loaded, whatever. I, I don't, I, I just think it's that specific moment completely shifts the entire game. You're going to so, knock out their okay. pitcher early. I got to jump in on that just because it goes directly to this and it's more just color for what we're kind of sort of not nailing exactly. Well, so um, the first strikeout, you know, bases bases loaded, nobody out uh, in that situation. The thing that the other team wants, of course, more than anything else is a strikeout, right? Uh, Steven Souza struck out. Yes. Uh, Three pitches. I think he just stared at them. I think he just, and um, the rest of his game, similarly you know poor performance um but when hap hit the home run he souza was the guy who went up behind jason kipnis <laughs> Did the and was holding his legs he was over the rail doing the clapping thing i mean like that that energy right that we've talked about and then souza you know then he has the bases loaded thing has a not a great game and he's dfa'd in between games and the double header and man if there were ever like just a um like i don't know I don't want to call it a metaphor. I don't be, I don't want to be overwrought in this, but it was just such a like, wow, they're like trying so hard to create that energy. But the reality of a guy who just can't hit right now and that the decisions from on high have to be like, sorry, I know this is like bad, but we got to cut this guy like right now. Cause we need a pitcher and we don't need him. Um, 
that was really striking too this weekend. And a lot of that goes back to just the weird season that we're in, right? They don't have the time to let him figure it out. Uh, I didn't love, I mean, I don't want to, when I saw that lineup, I was like, is there a lefty starting? Because uh, I just never, like, I just think Souza should be in the lineup only against lefties. It's just really hard. Like, he's just not in a place right now <coughs> where he should be uh, facing righties too much unless it's a reliever and you just don't have much, you know, you didn't have the right guy to bring in at that moment. I, I didn't love that that start in general, but that's, you know, he's got to get him time out there. He's got to figure out if he's uh, worth the roster spot, I guess. And clearly they made that decision quickly that he wasn't. But that was, yeah, that was a big turning point, I feel like, for the weekend. I wonder if you get that big hit there. Uh, does Alzali feel more comfortable? That was Alzali, right? Yeah, that was Alzali starting. Does he feel more comfortable? Does it? it, it I, I don't want to play the what-if game, but a lot of things change with that one with that one situation coming out differently. Uh, and it just makes that for me, the negativity that, that after that game, those two games, I was like, this is, they're not in a good place right now. The pitching looks rough nothing looks right. Lester needs to step up. And of course he didn't. Uh, it, 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 I immediately, it said, a put a bad taste in, in my mouth. So I can almost understand why Ross was like watching that and like, yeah, okay, if we get in the playoffs, great. Let's let's hope we get in a run then because it's like this this is right now what's happening. And he did say and I think it was pre-game yesterday where he basically said maybe this is just one of those moments. Let's every season has its ups, every season has its downs. We were we were riding high early. We got to get through this moment. This is one of those bad moments. Maybe this is a low point for us. We need to ride through it and figure out a way to get back to who we are. Be, you know, he kind of ended yesterday with uh, this is one game, but this is how I want us to play. This is who we can be. We need to get back to this type of baseball. We need to get back to the type of team that we know we are. Uh, you know, is that positivity? Do they really believe they're that team? I don't know anymore, but, uh, you know, they're there. They can play better baseball. We know that, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's better than I think Mike Quaddy once said at a similar point in the season in terms of, like, games played. Like, if, if this isn't rock bottom, I don't know what is. And it was, like, I don't know, May 4th or something like that. And they were <laughs> they were nowhere near rock bottom. Um, but it is also when, when you're, like, the new sheriff in town and come in, you know, talking this way for David Ross to then, you know, couple weeks in the season be like yeah as long as we make the playoffs you know even if like brett's saying he's right it's just i don't know this weekend there was just so much going on uh no doubt that souza video clip on marquee is just going to be seared into our <laughs> memories uh just so classic <laughs> just so like i don't know unbelievable um but yeah, there's the poor the poor social media director. <laughs> you know, they caught that and they're like, "This is a clip that we can use forever." Yes, DFA. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Gibbness is like, I had I did watch it. That was one of the few benefits from being at Wrigley. I did watch that one live. I was just curious to see what he was gonna do, and then I was just like, "Wait, it's Sousa's." clapping his legs together what and then it immediately <laughs> went went viral and the marquee cameras obviously had a much better viewpoint uh than i did <sighs> but yeah that, that's that's one for the ages 
<laughs> they just, you know what, to tie it all together, they just got to use the technology that they're going to use to blur out the signs, you know, for in-game video. And blur out Suze's face in that clip. And then eventually maybe people forget. They'll be like, ah, oh, that was just Jason Kipnis and man. And uh, before I forget, I do want to say, to be fair, uh, the couple of times I spoke with Steven Souza, a really insightful thoughtful person uh who was very genuine in talking about covid from the beginning because his family is based in the seattle area and they were kind of it was kind of popping up uh he was one of those guys who had said uh that he just decided to leave his family at home and explained how difficult uh and the emotional toll uh that they were experiencing well you know following all these protocols and he said it was worth it because he thought this team uh could win the World Series. I mean, this reflects on the front office. This is kind of their one bullet to fire on on a hitter during the off season, um, and either they missed or he just didn't have uh, enough time. And so, I think for all those reasons, the Souza DFA will be one um, that we'll probably be replaying in our analysis uh, after the season. Yeah, and you'll hope for him at least. You know, he's essentially been away for two years from baseball facing live pitching and it was already going to be very difficult for him this year if he'd had a normal spring training normal early season or you know it was going to be challenging because it's we sometimes we take it for granted but hitting live major league pitching is like the hardest thing to do in sports so you know maybe for him another step back a regular spring training next year hopefully and um, see what the future holds and and he can either continue clapping legs in the Cubs dugout, perhaps coming off the bench or, or find another dugout to clap some legs. Um, I also wonder the, the, the Billy Hamilton claim, I don't know when that process started, but I'm pretty sure he got waived by the Mets uh, before the weekend began. And you wonder if there was a little bit of cognition there too, from the Cubs that <clears throat> perhaps we're going to be adding to the outfield mix, maybe re- further reducing that. Cause I'm um, you know, they had Tyson Miller, at the ready, which means that they knew that there was the potential that they were going to have to create a roster spot. Uh, but Souza started the first game, which means they didn't necessarily know for sure it was going to be him. Anyway, uh, it's it's just another part of this weird weekend. And now we look ahead to a series at Wrigley against the Reds. Uh, the Reds, obviously very disappointing season in their own right, but still kind of trying to scramble for that second division spot or a wild card spot. And a lot of these narrative uh, pieces will change perhaps this uh this week so we'll see if what uh, what we picked up on this weekend was kind of the start of like another really rough stretch or if it was as david ross said just a moment just another moment in the season uh even in a short one they can fade away quickly so uh thank you to all you fine folks for listening thank you to patrick and sahadev read their stuff at the athletic read my stuff at Bleacher Nation. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, share, tell your friends about uh, the wonderful work that we do on On Twitter or the medium work. I mean, whatever. It's I'll settle for medium. And uh, we will be back at you guys later this week. Take care.